Did uh, your birthday get wrapped up with Christmas growing up? Um, you know, in like school, yes. But my parents and, you know, my family always made it super distinct, which I appreciated. And I think yeah. that was very intentional because my dad's birthday is on the 25th on Christmas oh. Day. So <laughs> I think growing uh, up, he recognized how he appreciated distinctness. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, of course, I can imagine. <laughs> Happy birthday, Megan. That's right. This is the birthday edition with Megan Norton as we celebrate her book, Belonging Without Borders. I hope, Megan, you had a very special day because you're a very special person. As of the release of this podcast, indeed, you are one year older. Congratulations. Megan Norton is a successful author, TCK consultant, and an intercultural trainer. Remember, Megan's not only celebrating holidays and her birthday, but the one-year anniversary of her book's release. Get your signed copy of Belonging Without Borders today, without delay. This offer runs out at the end of the month. Sooner than later, we will be looking at 2024. Are you living or coming from a multicultural or cross-cultural journey in this life? Have you lived abroad for an extended amount of time? Have you married into another culture or are a product of a bicultural relationship? Hello, I'm Mike Sullivan and this is my TCK podcast where we answer ridiculous questions like, where are you from? Social media has presented itself in in a way for TCKs to then hold on to, in a sense, be friends with or following or be followed by, you know, all these relationships and people that we've connected with along the way. Actually, technology is allowing us to have visibility on the weakness, the act, the realities of those connections, because algorithms know... <laughs> in a sense, the reality of that connection. You will stop seeing their posts after a while. You're going to suddenly see what relationships are for the road and which ones are for the journey very quickly because suddenly after a while, those posts will not come up so often. But the ones for the journey will pro probably come up more often uh, than not. Yeah, absolutely. Um I mean, I think you can drive yourself insane if yeah. you're if you're measuring success or impact over numbers on social media. Right. Um, it's yeah, it's and it's also a proxy community. Um, so mm. it's really important to have in person community as well. But mm -hmm. indeed, uh, yeah, I don't think we'll ever ever know our our full sphere of influence. Um, no. But then that's. That's one way to, you know, also consider of like, all right, what is, what am I putting out in the world that mm -hmm. I just like, you know, to have some ripple effect of goodness and yeah, um, hope and joy and peace for people. Yeah. And I think that's the tension that authors probably face. Any media content providers I've noticed have burned out. They're trying to match the demands of an algorithm to yeah. get. A number of followers and and i i decided 
that I needed to make sure that I did my best, but didn't sacrifice the sincerity of what I'm doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And just know that I'm only going to reach out to so many people and I can enjoy those connections that I do make uh, like right now. Mike, you're, yeah. you're creating an amazing community of listeners and helping, you know, there's just going to be so many people who are encouraged and, and seen, feel seen because of this. So I appreciate you sticking with it. I mean, podcast is podcasting. It's a, it's hard work. So I appreciate you doing it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And um, maybe it comes from feeling unseen for a time, right? In our past and not just going back to, a, you know, in a, a section of your book where you talked about being valued. And I think for me, it's, that's kind of become a core purpose in a sense. I had a student, we were doing a Q and a, and they asked me, they said, you know, what's your purpose in life? And I guess they were just trying to kind of throw a question out there. It was difficult to answer. And I just looked them straight in the eye. And I think for the first time in my entire life, this happened about four or five weeks ago, I looked them in the eye and I said, you know, for the first time in my life, I don't even hesitate to answer that question. I said, I know that I'm here to make people feel valued and heard. And I'm really okay with that. And there's a lot of peace in that. Definitely a lot of peace in that. Let's talk about FOMO and JOMO. <laughs> um, can you tell me about FOMO and JOMO? Yeah, so FOMO being an acronym for the fear of missing out. That's right, and FOMO. JOMO being the joy of missing out. And so FOMO, actually, I wonder if this is like more of a millennial t millennial term because <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not hearing many Gen Zers use FOMO anymore, but right. Yeah. Basically, it's quick, right? The terms yeah. change very quick. I used FOMO the other day with a bunch of Gen Zers and they're just looking at me like, what is yes. this? <laughs> it's like, you guys still know Rick roll, but you don't know FOMO. So, I don't know. It's yeah, weird. Pick and choose. Anyway, go <laughs> ahead. I'm sorry. Right. So for our Gen Zer listeners, millennials use the word FOMO <laughs> of, you know, when actually looking at social media, seeing posts of friends who perhaps went to a party you weren't invited to, or maybe you already had plans and you could go to a, another event you were invited to. You have this fear of missing out of yes. that experience. Mm -hmm. um, so FOMO, I think, was maybe, you know, maybe a escalated because of social media, the rise of social media. But uh, I make the point in the book, Jomo, uh, the joy of missing out that you live your life based on your values. Um, and so if your value is, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm choosing to go to this event, or I'm choosing to spend my time here, you won't have FOMO, you will have joy in like missing out on that, because you have been in alignment um, with your values, yep. which have informed your choices.
I like this. Uh, did you make this up or is it, did you borrow this? Where did you get this a chameleon emerging from a bag of Skittles? <laughs> oh, my word. I had that written down in one of my journals. So uh-huh. I, I think I I must have co-opted it from, from somewhere, but I don't know where. I don't know, um, but that's amazing. A chameleon emerging from a bag of Skittles. If, if you want to really just... Yeah, throw a, a TCK or ATCK into a, a frenzy. Just throw a bunch of contexts into their world at once. <laughs> and they will be, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with this. Uh, I already said it on the podcast, but there was the, I had, I was in Istanbul. I was meeting the daughter of a Korean friend of mine and we were at an Arabian restaurant and these young ladies were fluent in Turkish, but the waiter didn't know how to speak Turkish. She only knew, knew how to speak English and, and Arabic. It's so, and they wanted to order and they're just suddenly frustrated. And they asked the waiter in English. They're like, does somebody here speak Turkish? It's just, this is very funny. And I'm just sitting there and the, and the, the waiter kept looking at me and I'm just like, well, anyway, it's just one of the situations where you suddenly have four cultures, just suddenly yeah. there, just four cultures. I mean, I don't know what culture I was representing at the time. If it was Asia. <laughs> if it was, uh, I mean, I was, you know, the persona was definitely a European American, but anyway. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. So I just I really like that. <laughs> Emerging from a bag of Skittles, I have a tendency to sweat when I get nervous, and so when I would deal with an American or and Far Eastern situation where I have both of them, those were the most difficult for me to navigate, for sure. And I wasn't sure which one I wanted to please at the time. Chapter nine is definitely my favorite. Not fitting in. Ah, that's right. So I don't want to go into this long diatribe, but thin boundaries is something that I have struggled with my whole life. The people pleasing, the and and I talk about it in my book to my own expense. I talk about some of the absolutely ridiculous situations I got myself into, and even uh, it it relates intimately to how I met my wife and I won't give any spoilers to that in this podcast, but, um, but you can buy my book and find out. And it reminds me of, and I don't know, I'm showing my age when I talk about this, but there's, did I talk about this in a podcast? Suddenly I'm worried. Um, but I talk about a movie, the runaway bride. Have you seen it? Yes. Yes. Who stars in that movie? I forgot her name suddenly. Julia Roberts. Yes. Thank you. My gosh. Julia Roberts. And there's this whole thing with her suddenly being afraid of commitment and, and, you know, ditching her groom there at the altar each time. And then suddenly, of course, as a journalist who's interested in the story of this runaway bride played by Richard Gere, and he falls in love with her, of course. 
But there's a scene where, of course, he runs a... Uh, no spoilers. Anyway, there's this scene where she has to figure out who she is as a person. And so she's trying to figure out what kind of eggs she likes because she, she doesn't know. She only picks the eggs that the person she's with picks. This scene has stuck with me for my whole life because I actually went through this. I went through uh, a midlife, uh, early midlife crisis, I say, in my 30s. I was in Singapore. I was in therapy. The Navy was paying for it. And I had to sit down and journal. I was directed to by my therapist to sit down and journal and figure out the things that I liked and enjoyed. And you also do this in this book. You have some exercises in this book that also help people figure out who they are. Like, what are the things that they enjoy doing rather than this mindset that often we have with thin boundaries? It's like, well, I'm going to figure out what other people enjoy first. Even starting with, do you call me Michael or Mike? You know, I have trouble answering that question. And and so, do you have anything to say about that? I have a whole book. <laughs> what I say about that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I no. guess. Yeah. No, uh, you bring up yeah a foundational part of belonging. It's who are you? Mm. Who am I? Um, that identity piece that you know a lot of. TCKs have to unpack and mm -hmm. unlearn what messages or systems or cultures uh, told them that they mm -hmm. were. And not that it's wrong. Um, it's just being able to s say, okay, where did this message come from about who am I? And mm -hmm. then the whole first six chapters of the book, it's a, a lot of self-reflection. I mean, the mm -hmm. whole book, is, as you know, has self-reflection questions. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and that was very um, intentional because I didn't want to be prescriptive of what belonging is and how do you create a sense of belonging because it's going to be unique and individual to each person. Being, you know, very intentional about self-identity um, mm. and likes and dislikes. Yeah can kind of then inform, all right, then what? where do I want to invest my mm -hmm. sense of belonging? Where do I want to invest into community and contribute my skills into community? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we think of belonging as what do we receive? What do we get? Mm -hmm. But um, I posit in the book, like belongings, what we contribute. It's mm -hmm. also created by you and it's also created by others. I can honestly say that for the first half of my life, I had no anchor on what I contributed. <laughs> I was delighting people my whole life and had no idea that people liked me or liked who I was as a person. Um, it's actually taken a lot of, reflection to go back and then look at different instances of my life and all the the people I've met along the way that were happy about meeting me and and spending you know a moment doing something special it's interesting to just sit back read your book and figure out well, no Mike that that's you that's not unique to you <laughs> this has to do with this rootlessness that we feel and about the book too in that sense anyone who is listening is gonna order it on amazon or, or whatever 
for me, I think this is what a book should be because we invest the money into a book and you don't really want it to be a one read type thing. You know, when you're putting it on your bookshelf, you want it to be something that you can pull back out from time to time or something that you can discuss with other people. And I, I really want to get a physical copy of it so that I have it. There's nothing like a physical copy of a book. And if I sound old to whoever's listening, I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. When preparing for this, I really struggled with the fact that all my notes and all my thoughts just disappeared the minute my phone turned off. I really hated it, especially this time for whatever reason. Okay. So you said this in terms of fitting in. You said what you should strive for is a posture of curiosity, humility, empathy, and validation in your interactions with others. So how is this not changing ourselves to fit in? I'm curious what you have to say about that. Yeah, actually I've gotten, you know, feedback from people of like, wow, that that's a high, that's a tall order, right? That's like, can any, is that achievable? Can anybody do that? It's a good question. I don't know. Um, I think it depends on our our investment, our energy level. Um, have we had enough food, <laughs> good food in our system to be able to hold space, mm-hmm. to be curious, to mm. um, come That's with a true. posture of uh, humility, of empathy. I think it's it's this tension of we're not going to be changing ourselves, be inauthentic in the way that we um, extend validation, extend understanding to people. It's that tension of, yes, I hear you. I understand you. I don't agree with you, perhaps. I still love you as a person. And I will demonstrate that love in whatever way you demonstrate it. But it's not changing your beliefs and values. Mm-hmm. Um to be in agreement with that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is what I'm trying to tell people. Exactly that. You know, it's like, Oh, Mike, we don't need to buy your book anymore. This is exactly what you're trying to say. Yes, exactly. We don't have to change who we are ourselves to exemplify curiosity, humility, empathy, and validation in our interaction with others. In other words, we can hold people as valuable and precious in our life without becoming them in a sense. It's possible. I've done it. You know, I mean, I've made a, a load of mistakes along the way and that's my book. So it's, it's, it's kind of entertaining as you see in my book, how I've failed, but been put into these positions over and over again to learn about different people and who they are and just appreciate them and then walk away with a new set of values. They're, extremely important for us to love and relate in a polarized world. And that moves us into talking about DEI stuff. Never heard the term before in my life until a few weeks ago, I was like, what's DEI? And here's all these DEI people involved in international school community. Of course, I had Kaneko Sua on my podcast just uh, 
last week, right? <laughs> Set last week. And uh, of course, we talked about the queer gay community in, from her point of view being queer, and it was really, really good. You talk about in your book, and you kind of bring this about chapter 12, you talk about breaking down barriers and systems. And, and so this is kind of an unexpected turn, I think, in the book, right? Of you kind of, it's very self-focused and kind of talking about finding belonging. And then suddenly you address a very larger issue. And so I like this because this is kind of what I'm doing as well in a different way. But it sounds a little bit social justice-y, I guess. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. So could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, um, definitely intentional in bringing in diversity, equity, inclusion. And the term is actually including two additional um, letters um, with B and A. So belonging and accessibility is also being included. Mm. D-I-B-A. So initially... Um, the subtitle of my book was how TCKs can use intersectionality in creating a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And a lot of beta readers here in the U.S. pointed out that it, intersectionality has is kind of owned in the social justice space uh -huh. right now and um, critical race theory conversations. And so I didn't. Um, <laughs> while that's like the most appropriate term I feel that I'm using for the book content is how are you leveraging who you are and your experiences? I didn't want it to be misunderstood by the cover. Yeah, you are spot on in seeing that shift in the book where it's a lot mm -hmm. of self-focus, um, really discovering who you are. And then it's then, then how do you apply it? Where mm. can you plug in? And so um, without, you know, talking about social, social justice um, and using those words that can be kind of charged if you don't really put out in context, how do you bring justice into communities? Mm -hmm. I, I think TCKs, we, and I write that we're bridge builders, we're bridge connectors. And so when there is justice to be had, to be needed, to be advocated for. My story has been exactly that, has been being a first worlder in a sense, but being introduced to people who do not have the privileges that I have. I mean, I exemplify a lot of them in the sense that I'm Protestant, I'm white, I'm a man, <laughs> you know, the road that I've been on in my life, uh, there's no mistake, you know, my jail time, rehab, <laughs> just different experiences that I've had. Um, and I kind of going back to that quote about shame and the purposes behind these is mostly, uh, I believe, to meet people that I would otherwise have never met, you know, that society has generally tossed to the side and said, no, this is these people are worthless and they're not in fact. And we really need to figure that out. You know, as a society, we need to figure that out without using terms that, that won't perk people's ears in a way that says, Oh, you're one of them. You know, you're not one of us. Unfortunately, that's what a lot of it has become, hasn't it? And and I'm really worried about that. So thus the title of my book. Uh, you say this, we TCKs 
sometimes have the ability to separate ourselves from emotionally charged conversations in order to be an ally, sounding board, mentor, and friend. Because of this, we can give ourselves emotional space in conversations and create distance from politically charged opinions. We have experience using our skills to be bridge builders between and among communities. We can recognize privilege. But yeah, I really appreciate you taking that turn in your book to show a larger picture because we have purpose and this could be it. Yeah. Um, you know, once you build a bridge, then what's, what's the, the point of the bridge, right? It's mm-hmm. to, you know, be a connecting point. Um, and I think that sometimes there's, there can be fear in crossing the bridge. And so another point about being bridge builders is that I think TCKs, we can walk beside somebody who is crossing mm-hmm. that bridge, um, mm-hmm. give them assurance and courage and, and um, just kind of be there to witness yeah. crossing of the bridge. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we use that term bridge builder, but what's the next thing after the bridge is built? You have a spiritual component in your book and to be completely honest with you. And I was, trying to finish more of the book this morning. Um, and yeah, I, it, like I said, this is not a book that you could just race through. I mean, right. because it's really, it's, 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 uh, it brought a lot of tears to my eyes. It, it tugged at my heart on so many levels. Um, and the second to last prayer, especially, um, Going back to that value thing, you know, (laughs) going back to feeling valued um, and making other people feel valued. Right. I read it three three or four times. (laughs) So, yeah, I just kept rereading it. It just kept going back, you know, and it really meant a lot. So, and of course, it's okay to simply say, hey, you know, some of these others didn't really mean as much. You know what I mean? I mean, there's just a lot to choose from in this book, whether it's quotes or prayers. So there's just so much in this book. I mean, ultimately, belonging has a spiritual component. Yeah. And and given that I weave in personal stories, I wanted mm-hmm. to add in this dimension of mm-hmm. my personal journey and my sense of belonging. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not my intention to change how people align with their belief system, you right. know? Um, and, and in the book, I, I, I say, I mean, they're, they're prayers and blessings for mm-hmm. the reader. Um, I, I am so sincere when I, what I say, like this mm. is dedicated, the book is dedicated to the reader. Mm. And so I wanted to invite people into understanding how, how to understand a spiritual component and perspective mm. Um, And I think when we do that, when we give perspective, we're also inviting people to release their perspective. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I put right next to the prayer, uh, a blank page for people to write their own intentions, their own prayers, their own reflections. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think it's, 
inviting that spiritual component of belonging of how do we align ourselves mm-hmm. how do we express empathy um and ultimately respect for a spiritual yeah. component of belonging yeah indeed and it really goes without saying that when it comes to the self-help industry and this is one of my pet peeves and and soapboxes a little bit is that and you even see apps and things trying to extract the you know the the three or four things that somebody can walk away with and then just magic, magically be changed as a person and and to go on and live a successful life it's just do these four things and these five things and you will find belonging and it's just not that is not the reality we live in as human beings you know there's so much in that it it is a lifelong journey that we have and so to have to fit that into a book context the way that you did you know i i feel like it's just such a brave <laughs> you're very brave thank you thank you're very you so brave much because <laughs> at the beginning i'm just so unsure I, i'm going to be completely honest with you at the beginning i was just like I'm not sure what to to do here. You know what I mean? Like I've got a week. I mean, originally we were scheduled a week ago and I'm thinking, how am I going to deal with this book in a week? You know, (laughs) you're the brave one. (laughs) I had a very frustrating moment. And then suddenly you're like, Hey Mike, uh, I'm really sorry. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, that was, that was perfect timing anyway. And I was like, I got another week. I got a reprieve. I really appreciate you engaging with the book and, and working through it. It's, it takes courage to go through the book, it, you know, cause it's um, asking you to self-reflect, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I always so grateful when people are saying it, was an intentional time to get honest with who I am and to celebrate, to grieve, to Mm. be able to go into corners of your heart that, you know, perhaps you haven't shown light on in a while, Mm -hmm. but, um, so I think it's a, it's an act of great courage Mm -hmm. to, to engage with it. And I really appreciate you reading it and for, letting me be on your podcast to to share about it.